right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Bruno! How's it going, man? How you doing? Good. It's been a good off-season so far. It's been very strange over the course of the last couple of weeks since we ended Summer League oh, yeah. that there has been... So little news that is coming out. It feels like everyone in the NBA has just gone on vacation and then we'll <laughs> reconvene. Like every once in a while, you'll see, you know, videos of guys working out or something, or there'll be some minor note that comes out news wise. But like, like today, uh, there was the, the heat thing. It's a bunch of no news. It's like, Woj right. said there's been no traction. Sham said the heat are working on this package that we've known about for three weeks now. It's like a bunch of no news at this point. The NBA wants Damian Lillard's agent to stop bullying teams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but uh, I mean, there's like, yeah, right. Um, there is no news. And so we're kind of that dead part of the year. What we wanted to do today was we gave out the email address. We had people email us to get a mailbag together so we could answer some questions that you have during the year. These are always some of my favorites because we get to find out what people want to know from us, uh, basketball and non-basketball related. And you sent me some of them, and I think we got some good ones uh, this time around. Yeah, we, we did. We got a lot of good ones. Um, if you want to email us for future shows, worth plugging the email right now. NBA mailbag at gmail.com. That's how you can get in touch with us. If you're listening to the show, and if you are listening to the show, make sure as well that you're subscribed or follow to the feed as well, since we're still going every week this offseason, Chris. And we'll be doing some more ma- mailbags as well in the weeks to come. But today, 
Let's get going. Let's start with All some right. mailbag questions here, uh, 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 Chris. Let's start with a Kyle. You almost I called know. me Kyle. I know. Oh I, my I did. god! I was just texting with him right before the seven far. years I'm of like, my life like, down like the drain. I'm like a cheater down the drain. <laughs> oh my god! On, on a date. Oh my god! It's like you're laying in bed with your wife and you call her Sheila or something. Oh, for God's sakes! And and no offense to all the Sheilas out there, but you're probably a harlot. Um, it's the harlot name. It really, it really is. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like somebody that you cheat with, not anybody you, that you, th- you, you know. Think, you think we no. got any Sheila listeners? I don't think I don't so. I Probably doubt it. it. It's like a ninety-five percent male. I think so too. <laughs> or maybe that guy in Japan that turned himself into a dog. He's probably listening, dude. Isn't that something else? <laughs> I mean, the world's gone mad. All right, tell me this, Chris. I I went to there's like a big birthday weekend for me, my friends. I had a birthday on Thursday. Another friend had a birthday on a Wednesday. Another one had one on Friday. On Saturday night at one of the parties I went to, we were talking about that dog thing. The guy, a guy in Japan, paid twenty thousand dollars to have a a dog costume made. That and he's not telling anybody who he is. He's not revealing his identity because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. Understandably so. And we got to talking. Is there a price where you would live in that dog costume Absolutely for a not. year? There's not Absolutely a price. Absolutely not. Not even in the billions. Absolutely with a not. No. There's not a price because you lose no. your mind, right? You lose yes. it after a certain amount of time. No. Come on. No. I would quit after one day. <laughs> I would quit after an hour. I mean, it'd be <laughs> funny for an hour. <laughs> and then it stops being funny. And then you're like, oh, come on. Did you see it's the videos just, of him like rolling over and yes, stuff? Yes, I saw. It, it yes, looked painful. Yes. It looked like he uh, wasn't comfortable moving around with that costume on. Not ridiculous. a was well, definitely wasn't worth twenty k. That's for sure. No, the world's gone mad. The world's gone mad. <laughs> right. oh, and by the way, happy belated sure. birthday! Thank you. I appreciate it. Thirty three, my Larry Bird year. We're growing old together here, Chris, on the show on the mismatch. Um, all right, okay. Let Let's get started with a suggestion by Ben. He says, there have been issues regarding the fact that the winner of the in-season tournament doesn't seem to get any real advantage. What if, instead of not counting the championship game towards the regular season record, the winner actually gets to keep that win on their record, effectively acting as a tiebreaker over any other team at the end of the year? In this situation, the loser of the championship game would not have the game counted, so they don't get punished, but the winner would get that extra W in the win column. Doesn't this feel like something the NBA should do? I actually don't hate this um, as a reward because what, what, you know, my initial reaction is let's just say at the end of the season, uh, and I'll just come up with two random teams, the Suns and the Clippers, that they played four times throughout the year and the Suns won all four of them, but they wound up with the exact same record at the end of the year. This would be the issue is that if the Suns won that tournament, that they get the automatic tiebreaker over a team that they got dominated by throughout the season, right? Say the Clippers beat them for it, right? Is that but, an issue, though, or no? Is that like, that's the point? That's the incentive, no, I right? Guess, I, I guess that is the point, right? Like, I am, I am open to, I don't hate this. I am open to any suggestions that make that worthwhile to the fans, Right. That that is my big thing. I am not anti midseason tournament. I'm all for trying to garner any extra interest and for more guys playing. Um, we had such a dismal regular season last year. 
I want more guys playing. They have instituted, obviously, the 65 games for awards, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, especially when it gets to the winter, the NFL's going on, college football's going on. You know, is it a way to possibly make people care more about what would be just a meaningless Friday night game? Yes, it is. And I hope it I hope that it takes hold and I hope that people do care a little bit, but I am open to any incentive for a fan. Why should a fan care if his team wins? They, mm. they There's no pride associated with that. Who cares? The players obviously benefit greatly financially, but a fan's not going to sit around and care that a player benefits financially. I'm not going to be excited if, let's say, Memphis wins it and yeah, 500 grand is great for Kenny Lofton Jr., who's on a second round, you know what I mean, an undrafted deal. Like, that actually means a lot to him. But, okay, <laughs> like, he's already got a diamond chain. Like, I don't, like, I'm not sitting around crying poor for Kenny Lofton Jr., and I don't think any other fan is either. And so there needs to be some reason why your fan base should care if you win that. That is, to me, what needs to be implemented. And at least this is something. And we've talked about draft picks. We've talked about maybe this, a tiebreaker, maybe home court advantage, any of the things that would matter to fans, right? Like these are things you care about. You care about the draft. You care about home court advantage. You care about something that affects you if you're a fan of that team. And so I'm okay with this one. That would be okay. It's just one team. And that would be a, it's certainly incentive. Now, how many teams are tied at the end of the year? It's, it's not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, so but, how but much I, does that come into yeah. play? So I think I'd want something that comes into play more often. I think I think that's why it would be nice, though, because it doesn't come into play a lot. But if it does, it's like, oh, yeah, winning that in-season tournament gave you that extra edge in the mm-hmm. standings, and it does pay off for those situations at the end of the year. So, I mean, I, to me, I think... The NBA it could role, work in reverse, though. It could work in reverse. Where, like, you get into the plan when you don't want to be in the plan, you're, you're saying? Or at the end of the year. Oh, you, you get a bad, you just go bad seeding. Say, yeah. Well, this, but that's why, but that gets to my point about why the top seed should be yeah. choosing their opponent rather yeah, right. than, oh, we win more games, which means we have a worse matchup. I don't know. Like, I, if I, I lose, yeah. if, if, you know what I'm saying? If I lose a game at the end of the season that's going to put me into a tiebreaker. Therefore, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's overall a win, but we'll see how it goes this first initial season. And then from there, you know, maybe, maybe things will, will change in the future because it's always going to be changing from cannabis, cannabis foot, uh, not a real name. What two NBA teams do you think next year might live up to their hype? A la Barbenheimer and over-deliver on expectations. So there are two teams. This is a creative question, a timely question, with Barbie and Oppenheimer. Over-deliver. Over-deliver. I think one of them could be a team that Michael Pina wrote about on the ringer.com today, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, The Thunder, with what they have on paper, we talked about Chet Holmgren a couple weeks ago on the podcast, coming back to that team. Shea Gildas-Alexander being as great as he already is. Josh Giddy, you imagine him getting even better with all the good supporting players they have on that team with the Lou Dort types of the world. And 
And now you got Micic coming over from the Euro League after all the things he's accomplished over there. Poku, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams. I mean, like the list goes on and on with OKC, and they have one of the best coaches in all of basketball, in my opinion, and Mark Dagnall. I think the Thunder are probably one of those teams. And I, I think they're being hyped up where they belong. They belong in that hype conversation. Like they are hyped up. People are hyping up. Okay. Yeah, so. right. But maybe possibly over deliver. That's actually good because yeah. then they, they could feasibly over deliver. Yeah. Who else? Who's hyped? I don't know how many we have that are like, that you would say are hyped. This yeah. didn't, like, there wasn't some kind of, to me, massive off-season swing. Now, the Lillard thing is still out there. Um, you know, there were teams that we liked what they did in the off-season. I think people would probably want you to say Phoenix, but I don't I don't buy that. Yeah, like over-delivering on yeah, top over-delivering? of over-delivering? Like, what is it? Yeah, how can they over... Yeah. I mean, are they going to gonna do like they did a couple of years ago and win... 67 games or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? They won a ton of games a couple of years ago. And I don't think like Utah is being hyped. No, uh, you know, I don't think they're being hyped. I think people think, oh yeah, Utah's a good young team, but they're not, they're not being hyped necessarily. Minnesota's not being hyped. Maybe the Lakers, are, they're always hyped. And this year after closing the season so strong, mm-hmm. over delivering though, over the hype, that, that's a very particular type of team and maybe it is the suns maybe it is the suns because the suns over deliver though but they have it's gonna be how do they over deliver they also have a lot of doubters too but it's more doubt for the postseason than it is doubt for the regular season could it just be the defending champions the nuggets they're gonna come in with hype they're the defending champs could they could their young players who we've hyped up a lot on this podcast jalen pickett hunter tyson you got, you know, Christian Brown with a bigger role. Uh, I mean, like they have a lot of good young talent on that team that could step into the void left by Bruce Brown leaving, Jeff Green leaving. Maybe they're the team that some of those young guys, even like a Zeke Najee, and ends up step stepping up, and they are the team that over delivers after defending their crown. That's the really hard part about this is because mm. you look up and down, and it's like these teams are not being hyped as they're supposed to be much better. Oklahoma City is the only one that, like, we're looking at. Like, is anybody sitting around hyping up Toronto? Is anybody sitting around hyping up Chicago or Indiana or Detroit? Or, I mean, nobody's hyping them up. Atlanta, you know, I could see Atlanta being a lot better than last year, especially with the training camp and the full season of Quinn Snyder. I could see them being much better than they were in Atlanta. But nobody's sitting around talking about, oh, Atlanta's going to be really good this year. <laughs> you know you no. know what I'm saying? Like, they're not talking about it. I do think they are going to be better. But I don't think that people are sitting around talking about it. So if the question is, who who is being hyped up and can deliver to said hype? I guess, you know, nobody's sitting around hyping up Dallas, but I think Dallas is going to be a lot better. Than they were. So, I like I mean, their roster dude, so much more than I did last year. I hated their roster last year. You hit the nail on the head about their roster last year, and I, I hope this year they're better. They should be better on paper with the additions that they made. Got better players. Uh, it'd be shocking. It'd be shocking if they're not better. That you get. I mean, you get Grant Williams re- most recently. You get Seth Curry back. 
Uh, after he was gone for a couple of years, you would hope like a young player like Josh Green is able to get even better and find more consistency. Maxi Kleba playing a full season. Got guys mm-hmm. like that. I mean, he played 35, 36 games last year. Maxi right. Kleba is a really good two-way guy. So I, I, they they should be better on paper. But I think the one, maybe, uh, I think you hit it with Oklahoma City. You know who else? San Antonio. That's a good one. They're going to have high snap, yes. Nobody's yep. sitting around thinking that they're going to be like a playoff team. But they're hyped. Right? But they're they are hyped be. because of the guys. Yes. And, and and they're going to, and they're, I think you nailed it, San Antonio, because they're hyped because of the guy in Wemby, but they're going to be better because of all the existing pieces that they already have who people haven't really paid close attention to in recent years. Devin Vassell, Keldon yeah. Johnson, their rookie last season, Jeremy Sohan, their other rookie this year. Uh, like you get him in the second round, City Sissoko. I think he's going to play. Yeah. And so I, I, San Antonio could be the team. That's our answer. OKC and San Antonio. There you go. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Next question from Alex. What is a movie you'd give a 10 out of 10? Five stars. Two thumbs up. Oh. What's a 10 out of 10 movie for you, Chris? Or a 14 out of 14 movie? I mean, I've mentioned this a lot. It's funny because I think I would give the... I would give, like, all the guy movies, right? Like, I mean, that's the the one that always surprises people. Like, my favorite is probably, and I've said this before, is The Princess Bride. Like, I've watched that That's the a most. really good movie. From yeah. the time I was a child to the time I was an adult, I've watched that the most. I like laughing. So, like, the other night, I watched with my son. I watched uh, Happy Gilmore. Oh, good movie. I, I enjoyed it for 90 straight minutes. I loved it. I loved Happy Gilmore. Uh, Tombstone. I love Tombstone. I love Gladiator, like all the, you know, <laughs> all the all the ones that are like dub guy movies. Um, Rocky, love Rocky. Um, in terms of like the ones that are like the critically acclaimed, I mean, I don't think I'm I'm not I'm not far off the map on this stuff, right? Like, I like The Godfather, like everybody else likes The Godfather. I like the I like Pulp Fiction, like everybody else likes Pulp Fiction. Like I don't. I don't think I have some kind of oddball, you know. I like comedies a lot. I love Anchorman. I love Billy, Ma- uh, you know, I love uh, Happy Gilmore. I love all those. Um, so the ones that make me laugh. And and then I like all those, like, you know, I like the Western stuff. I like the gangster stuff. I like the boxing movies a lot. So I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna give a good answer to this. It's like something. Uh, are, are you? Are Jerry you Maguire? I loved. Uh, I love. I oh, well, almost famous. I loved almost wait, famous. Are, are, are you too old for super bad? No, I'm not. Okay. Too old for okay. All right. Because that was like 2007. Yeah, I like those. Uh, that Cameron Crowe run. I love say anything. I love uh, Jerry Maguire, and I love uh, almost famous. I love all three of those. Yeah, good. Movies. Those are all the Cameron Crowe movies. Those they feel realistic choices. to me. Like you know the. The 
I like the dialogue, the way that people talk in those. And I don't know, they seem real. And I think it's a reflection of him. So I like all those. Yeah, I love Almost Famous. And I love Jerry Maguire as well. So like, I think I listed off about a thousand, but yeah, I like all did. those. I'll, I'll rattle off. I'll rattle off. I, mean, I, have, my a, I, have, a, I have a why. I, you know, I'm not movie buff. No, I mean, I've watched what be. everybody else has. Uh, I'll rattle off my ten out of tens that I have on Letterbox, starting okay. with the old ones. Uh, a Clockwork Orange, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Taxi Driver, The Shining, Scarface, Goodfellas, Fargo, Goodwill Hunting, Titanic. American History X, Fight Club, Gladiator, Kill Bill, Old Boy, the original 03 Korean film, V4 Vendetta, Superbad, Slumdog Millionaire, Inglorious Bastards, Inception, Django Unchained, Whiplash, Interstellar, Parasite. Those are my 10 out of 10s. Here's the ones that stood out to me when you mentioned that. I forgot Goodwill Hunting. I watched yeah, that uh, that's about a, a year... About a year ago, I watched that. It was on TV, and I watched it back, and I forgot how amazing that movie really was. Absolutely sensational. After all these years, I had not watched it. Robin Williams, it, like it was, you know, it's kind of sad, obviously, given what had happened with him. But I, I watched the, I watched Google Hunting, and then I like, uh, I love the Kill Bill one. I like Kill Bill two better. Ah. Uh. Two. Okay, I yeah, loved yeah. Kill Bill Two. Yeah, I had Kill Bill Volume One. I yeah. don't know what I, I don't know what I had two rated as. I thought ten, two is probably like a nine or, or something like that. Two uh, is crazy. Yeah, I, I have, loved. I, I have Kill two Bill. as a nine. Yes, I loved Kill Bill yeah. Two. Oh, they're both and, yeah, yeah. I like I, most all those movies that you mentioned. I like. I don't know if you saw this, but the guy that um, that Christopher Nolan uh, that just did Oppenheimer, he went on. He did an interview on Rich Eisen's show. Oh yeah, what was the movie he said? Did it was you see this? Right, it was a comedy, right? He said Talladega Nights yeah, was that's the right. movie yeah. <laughs> that he loves to watch when it's on TV. <laughs> and he said, "If you're not first, you're last." <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I saw yep. that clip. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the most shocking answer. I think people were not expecting <laughs> that Christopher Nolan, you know, uh, would say that, but. That was his answer. He said the he said Talladega Nights was the movie that if it's on TV, he drops the remote. And I was like, wow. Unbelievable. You ever watch Old Boy? Is that, did you ever see that one? The O three, no, the old version. Not not the remake in America, but uh if if you're cool with subtitles, Chris, Old Boy's worth worth like an hour and a half, two hours, however however long the runtime is on that. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, look, boy. you're speaking my language if it's 90 minutes. Old boy. I mean, it might be longer than that. I'm I'm definitely misremembering. Oh, okay. Well, 120 minutes, two hours. That's not bad. You can do two hours. Yeah, no, you're pressing me when you get to like 220, 230. Yeah. We're, we're getting deep. But yeah, oh boy. I'm with it. Chico asks, I'd love to know Verno's opinion on Barbie and who are the players with the biggest Kennergy in the NBA? Okay. So I'm going to have to make an admission on this show that I'm not proud of. So this past weekend, I went to the National Sports Collectors Convention. That's not something I'm not proud of. I loved that. I also met a lot of people that <laughs> listened to the mismatch. Hell yeah. Um, there, which is super cool. It was in Chicago, Illinois. I went with my uh, 
longtime local producer, uh, Roser. And, we got an email from Simon who said he saw you. He didn't say oh, anything, but he did see you. <laughs> and my son went with us, and we went and had a good time in Chicago for sure. With that being said, my wife took my daughter, and they did the dress up and go to Barbie thing oh, while yeah. we were out of town. They loved it mm -hmm. and had the time of their lives. And so, uh, and I must say that in between my friends and uh, family and everybody I have spoken to personally that has gone to see Barbie, I have not had one person say they did not like it. Not one. Every person has told me it's good. And so they went to it without me uh, and my son. And so maybe I'm sure inevitably I will see it. I mean, whenever it comes on streaming within the next couple of months, I will see the movie. But in terms of the theater trip, we were out of town on a guy's trip. So they did the girls thing and went to the went to went to Barbie and had the time of their lives. And they let go with all your boys. I did not. <laughs> we did not go to Barbie. We didn't go out of our way to go to Barbie. How would that go over if you said, hey, guys, instead of going out to the restaurant I or mean, bar tonight, you want to go to Barbie? A bunch I don't of think. Guys I don't in their know. 40s and 50s. Well, well, I mean, it was just me and, it was just me and Rosa and William, <laughs> oh, okay. so I guess we could have. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, we could, oh, so we could have just gone. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess we could have gone over to the movie theater if we mm. wanted to, but um, pretty much any time we weren't at the convention, we ate at Harry Carey's every, like every meal because it was in our hotel, which uh, was great. It was great. Like, the food is great every time, so. And it's cool, you know, it's sports-themed and whatever, and so it was good. So you didn't see Barbie? I didn't see it. So I don't okay, know who has well, Kennedy. What is Ken yeah. a, a dumbass or what's the deal? I, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you haven't <laughs> no, seen it? I know I, I did see Barbie. I'm just not sure the Kennedy means. It's yeah, what does that mean? Me. Oh, let, let me Google it. See what Google isn't he, says. Isn't he supposed to be dumb in that what people got mad about? Yeah, that like I it mean, portrays guys as dummies? It kind of, in some ways. Yeah, I'm not against that though. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. In many in many facets, we are. Um, yeah, of course. So, who's yeah, Ken, got Kennedy. Kennedy yeah, represents uh, men who support women with confidence and openness. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't know if that means Kennedy. Yeah, I don't buy I, that. I don't know. That, that doesn't seem correct to me. I, I think the guy means you're a weenie. The guy means you're a weenie, right? <laughs> Isn't that what he's trying to say? <laughs> so it's it's towns. <laughs> <laughs> we we actually that's a great way to pivot yeah. to uh with the fact that we got a ton of questions from Minnesota Timberwolves fans. I scrolled through the the many questions we received and the team the fan base that asked the most questions were Timberwolves fans. That's the really? first time. Yeah, seriously, that's the first time I can ever remember getting the most questions from Minnesota Timberwolves fans, including some people that lived overseas and they're Timberwolves fans for some reason. I mean, tough choice. Hey, um, you know, but, uh, that thing I just told you I was at, Edwards was there yesterday. Really? Yeah, he's signing autographs. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so he's there for like a signing type of thing. He wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. shopping for, you know, memorabilia. No, no, he wasn't no. shopping. Okay. But with the Minnesota Timberwolves, there's no one specific question, but, you know, that I, I want to outline because there's so many of them. Thank you for those. But, the spirit of them were like, what the heck do we do? What do we do in this spot with, with where we are right now? We get Gobert. There's a video yep. of him with the French national team shooting threes, towns being involved in some trade talks. 
during the draft period. You get Anthony Edwards on the up and up. You get McDaniels, one of the better two-way players in basketball, an excellent defender. Are you are you trying to trade Towns right now, Chris? Is that is that the number one thing in your mind, or are you giving it another chance with the two bigs? Wait, with now or now really three bigs still because you get Nas Reed on his contract back now. Are you rolling it back like that and seeing if it works in year two? I mean, they're saying that, that you know they've committed to Gobert and that Towns is going to be the one on the way out. That's what you know. The, the people I spoke to that cover that team think that that's what's going to be on the horizon. That being said. I have been of the opinion that Towns is a better fit than Gobert with him. I mean, I saw them blow. They they took their scars, but I covered that series against Memphis two years ago before they got Gobert, and I did not think they were very far away at all. I thought they could have augmented that team and been a real problem because I am of the opinion that the big that spaces the floor and provides that space for Edwards is the best thing to have with Edwards. And so I actually think Towns is a very good fit with Edwards. But you've got to make a choice there. I think that moving off of Towns and keeping Gobert would be a mistake, but it appears that's what they would do. I think your whole, every move that you make has to be how does this augment the development of Edwards into a super duper star because I believe Edwards is going to be one of the best. He had, there's very few guys in the league that really have a chance to be one of the best 10 or best five. He's one of them. He's that great. And he is still so young. And he's only, you know, on this trajectory, he's going to be one of the absolute best players in the entire NBA. They tried to speed up the process. That's your best player. And he took some lumps last year in the playoffs again. But I do think that, or I guess in the play-in, I do think that he is going to be one of the best players in the league. And so every move has to be to augment that. And so I don't think you need a bunch of stars necessarily around him. Um, I think that you can kind of surround him with some some role players. not all, not all role players, because he's not that kind of a guy. But I would certainly uh, not be against them trading one of the big guys in order to get them, get them some more wings, right? Um, and then anything that can create the space for him, because I don't want him pulling up and shooting a bunch of pull-up threes. He has that you cannot stay in front of me athleticism and size. And so everything that I'm doing is trying to create the maximum amount of space. Their shooting sucked. So, I mean, he's doing everything without it. I want to be able to space the floor as well as I possibly can. And so that's what I'm doing if I'm Minnesota. I think think with Carl Anthony Towns, right now they're also in a position where he signed through the 27-28 season, and that year he's going to be making nearly $65 million. So with Carl Anthony Towns, everybody's talking about Damian Lillard and the money he's making and how tough he could be you know, to get traded and why there might be a lack of interest. Then you factor in his age. Well, with Carl Anthony Towns, it's kind of the same thing, just a, a different angle towards it. Yes, he's only in his 20s right now. 
but he's in his late 20s and he's not a great defensive player and he's going to be making that significant amount of money into his early 30s. So like, there's concern there with Carl Anthony Towns in the eyes of other teams, which speaks to your point about how even though Towns is the guy conventionally people think could be traded if they're split up, maybe it could actually be Rudy, Rudy Gobert, who's only signed through the 25-26 season. He just doesn't have as many years left on his deal, even though he's older. Perhaps Gobert could be flipped and you just, you know, you eat your losses and end up, you know, reconfiguring in a team that fits the imagination that you have for it, where you're focused on spacing with Towns and, and Nas Reed sometimes playing together, or they can each play the five and, and fill those 48 minutes as necessary. But with Minnesota, I wonder with them, you know, with the Damian Lillard stuff, right now it seems like we're at a big stalemate. Portland's not, you know, finding a deal for him at this moment. Woj says today how there's no no acceptable offer out there. I wonder if at some point Carl Anthony Towns, what you know, probably in a three way situation, maybe during the season, if Minnesota could get enough assets for Cat that could be flipped for Damian Lowered with their you know other existing assets, was of which there is not many, obviously considering what they gave up for Gobert, but. With Minnesota, I wonder if there's any way for them to get in on that. Just throwing that thought out there, because if you're if you're Minnesota and you're gonna you're talking about maximizing Anthony Edwards, that was part of the reason why they traded D'Angelo Russell and got Mike Conley, having more of that playmaking, traditional point guard presence sharing the backcourt with him. So finding a player that can do that for Carl Anthony Towns, for Rudy Gobert, for whatever it is that you're moving out of Minnesota. To me, that's the big priority here because Mike Conley's 35 years old. He's only got one year left on his contract. You got to find a guy for Anthony Edwards who is still just a kid. He's 21 years old that he could grow with in the years to come and who compliments him. To me, that that's the big priority there. Um, but we'll end up seeing what happens. Uh, as Sam said in one of his emails, you know, it seems like with those mega contracts, they're not going to move them. If this goes well, maybe you go into the, the the second apron. Maybe you double down. You don't have any other choice. You go all the way in on this two big uh, these two big lineups. If it works better this year, and who knows, man? Maybe with Chris Finch, it will. After a full off season, that was a weird last year for Carl Anthony Towns, missing all that time yeah. at the beginning of the season. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you should scratch it off immediately and say, oh, forget all the bad that happened last year. But uh, I mean, in some ways, maybe you give it a, a, a little bit of a pass and see how it goes with a full training camp going into it. Um, but we'll see. They're going to be interesting. I, I mean, I resent the hell out of them because, I mean, all they had to do was score at all in the last eight minutes and the Grizzlies wouldn't have had to play the Lakers. Idiots. Mm. Get a bucket. <laughs> Ridiculous. They had him. Did the rights. They had him. They had him. Let's move on to a Grizzlies question here for you, Chris. From Charlie. Charlie said he's a huge Grizzlies fan. Uh, he's from England. And he recently ran the Paris Marathon earlier this year in a Memphis jersey. And he posted a photo of it. And he said, my question is, realistically, how far away are Memphis from winning the chip? They have, they have the best young core in the game, and I love the addition of Smart. But with Ja being the smallest physically of the superstars in the league, can he lead this team to the top? So that's a question specifically for you, Chris. Can Ja Morant lead the Grizzlies? I think that if John Morant could get his head on straight, basketball has never been a problem. 
<laughs> you know I mean, none of none of Josh's problems are basketball related. The guy would have been all NBA last year if he doesn't get suspended. He was all NBA the year before. Uh, he now, by virtue of the way that they they've had a couple things break their way in it in, in a in a crazy way. Jaron Jackson Jr. was coming off of an injury plague season when he got to his extension. And then he signed his extension. And then the next year, that's when he started making all defense. And then, of course, last year, transitioned into making the all defensive team. John Morant was in line to get the all NBA bump. And now you would have been 40 million on him. You probably saved yourself. 70, I mean, at minimum, at minimum, you saved 70 by signing Jackson when you did. His contract is amazing now. So you've saved yourself on your two best guys, $100 million conservatively that you then can spend on a roster and having a, a, a strong team around them. Um, they have now, they've gotten playoff experience over the course of the last, well, really the last three years and lost to Golden State, lost to the Lakers last year. I, I don't think they are far away. I certainly think they have the ability to compete for, um, they'll be in the mix and be able to compete for it uh, within the next couple of years. And I think that you've got your best players at, you know, around 25 at that point. Certainly they've added veterans in Marcus Smart, Derrick Rose, guys they have around. They've signed Desmond Bain long-term, who I think is great. So they've kept their core intact. They're doing the, they're doing the thing that a lot of the good teams have done, which is we do not get rid of our core players and we don't fire our coach. Do you know this? Do you want to hear something insane? Yeah, tell me. I love insane stuff. Tell me. Taylor Jenkins is the fifth longest tenured NBA coach. <laughs> Turnover so fast. That is insane, Kevin. Fifth. He's still just like one of the youngest coaches in the league. It's Pop. He's younger, way younger than me. Spolstra, Pop, Malone, and Kirk. That's it. Those are the only guys that have had their job longer. Man. That's the NBA now. That's the NBA. And so I've been of the opinion that the, you know, the continuity going through all those things together, I think it was a big lesson um, of what we've seen from many teams, uh, not the least of which are uh, both Milwaukee and last year's Denver team were very good, very good examples of that. You know? Having guys that have gone through those things together have been in those situations, the high leverage situations, with the same coach, for that matter. And those teams reap the rewards of it with Milwaukee winning a title and Denver winning a title. Um, I think you saw a blessing of some continuity with uh, Miami, even though it's not long-term necessarily. But I think within a couple of years, sure. Memphis should be able to be there. They were the two seed two years in a row and have uh, caught some caught some very tough opponents. The Lakers. Like they, 
<laughs> I mean, when they lost to the Warriors the year before, and the Warriors won the title. Well, yeah, Lakers were no trouble, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jaws I mean, comments are going to live forever, though, until they until they get through the West. We're okay well, in the West. Well, no, I, they, like that. People are going to forget about that after they got humiliated and they got humbled last year. So it's yeah, good for them. They did. And, and there's Dil- no more Dylan Brooks. That's exactly what I was about to say. No more Dylan so, Brooks. So title, here we come. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. yep. Hey, Draymond Green said, "The dynasty starts after you leave." Yeah. Remember that? You yep. told that. So I'm going to hope Draymond's right. I mean, look, I I agree with you on on Memphis's upside with what they can be. They they have one of the best defenders in all of basketball, and Jaron Jackson Jr. They were they were without Stephen Adams. If he can stay healthy, that's critically important. They have a bunch of good young players, supporting players. Desmond Bain, I I'm higher on him than I think most people are. I have been for years since before the draft. I think that guy is you know a potential All Star. Um, I'd like to see him get even more shots. I think he can be a guy who gets close to 20 shots per game, over 10 three-pointers per game. To me, Desmond Bain is an absolute baller, and, and he the more touches that he's able to get, the better that team could be as a supporting piece next to John Moran in that backcourt. And Marcus Smart, man, like if he can return to the defensive player of the year caliber guy, plays with an even bigger chip on his shoulder than he already has, Marcus Smart could make the type of difference that Tony Allen did so many years ago, yep. uh, except this team has more young talent than those Grizzlies teams did. The grit and grind Grizzlies, this team has higher upside than even those teams did. Like They, they had title upside, those Grizzlies team. They didn't get there, but, but this Grizzlies team does as well. So I'm, I'm high on them. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assists. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. A question from Arya. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. He said, with my wizards tanking hard. So this is a question on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I've been looking ahead to the top picks in next year's draft. So we already have some fans looking ahead to the 2024 draft. He said, damn, can, can Kevin explain? Oh, right. I know. Kind of that is times. dark. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He says, can Kevin explain to me why Matas Buzelis is ranked number one? Matas Buzelis, just to give a little bit of background here for the listeners who don't know him. He's a six foot eleven, kind of a point forward type of player. He'll be almost twenty years old in the twenty twenty four draft. So next year, he's going to be playing in the G League this year, like Scoot Henderson did last year. We we'll get to see his games played there. Um, but as he said in his question, he's a little confused here with how he's the number one ranked player because he said his junior year of high school in New Hampshire, he averaged eleven points, six rebounds, two assists. Uh, he says his his senior year of high school at Sunrise Christian when he won Kansas Player of the Year. He averaged 15 points, five rebounds, two assists. He says it feels a lot like the hype around Denny Avdia. I think with Matas Buzelis, he's currently my number one ranked prospect. That could very well change. There's a lot of guys that I think have a chance at number one. Jacoby Walter from Baylor, Ron Holland, Buzelis' teammate in the G League, you know, Stefan Castle. There's a, there's a number of guys that could end up being number one. But I think with Buzelis, he's number one right now. He reminds me of Lamar Odom. 
And you think about what Lamar Odom would be in the modern NBA. The Lamar Odom we remember, Chris, is this six foot nine playmaking forward, multi-positional player who could be plugged and played into different positions on the floor. Imagine that. Well, imagine Lamar Odom in the NBA today. All the different schemes you could use him in. Dribble handoffs with shooters flying off. A screener on ball rolling towards the basket. A spot-up shooter. A guy running pick and roll. A guy posting up. Somebody who's forcing mismatches in the half court, which is the toughest way to generate quality shots. That's what I think Lamar Odom would be in today's NBA. And, and that's what Buzella says. He's kind of that connective playmaking piece who could be plugged into any role on offense. And for an NBA team right now, I, I think right now it's safe to put him at number one. He's got to get stronger. Um, his three-point shot, he shot very well his high school season, 43% from three off the catch. But he's going to have to prove that that shot's for real. He needs to get significantly stronger. He needs to prove that he can survive against the strength that he's going to face in the NBA G League as a defender on ball. But Buzelos right now, I like him as the number one pick. I'm not locked in on that. This is no Wemby situation. It's no Zion. It's not one of those years. There's a number of guys that can end up being number one. Jacoby Walters than the one that I like a lot that nobody's really talking about uh, out of Baylor. But right now, Buzelos is the guy at number one. And um, we'll see if that changes over the course of the G League season. They play a game in early September. Um, uh, those okay. G League Ignite players, it's not going to be against Victor Wembanyama like we saw last ye- season, but they're going to play Perth um, from the NBL and Alex Saar, another potential lottery pick, kind of like a seven seven foot wing type of player. He's you know he's got a center size, but plays more like a wing. Uh, you'll get to see him start in early September in, in Nevada. So I look forward to that game. That'll be our first real good look at Muzelis, Holland, and all the other G League guys. One note on this was uh, in the spring when I was at the All-Star game in Utah, I ran into an NBA scout and he had been to Basketball Without Borders that morning. And I said, give me some names of guys that are going to end up being lottery picks. And he's like, I think Buzelas is the only one that was in there. Like he was like, he was that much better than everybody else. So, but that is, I went and looked it up and that guy's right. As a junior, it says Bazellus was named New Hampshire Gatorade player of the year after 11.6 rebounds to it. Like, what, was there one team in New Hampshire? Like, what the <laughs> <hell>? <laughs> Those, 11 and six. Yeah, like, that was his junior year. And then he went to I a, get a, it, but what are they much, doing? Are they playing? Yeah. They, is it like a six-possession game? Is they just no shot clock? And they're, they're just walking them off the court? Like, <laughs> Pat Beverly averaged 37 in high school. Well, that's the thing with Buzelis. You're not <laughs> it, you're not necessarily drafting him. Like, I think the Lamar Odom comp is is a good one for people to kind of conceptualize in their head who that player is. Like Lamar Odom wasn't a 25, 30 point per game scorer guy, but I do, do you kind of see what I'm saying, Chris? When it but comes Lamar to- Odom was amazing in high school. Amazing. A different era, though, but I'm saying that the, the NBA version, I'm not talking about Lamar Odom in high school. I'm okay. talking about Lamar Odom in the NBA. The version okay. of Lamar Odom that we saw with some of those Clippers teams, those Lakers teams, where he was a ball handling, shot creating forward, that guy in today's NBA, what would he be? It would not look like the Lamar Odom that we saw 
necessarily in his time in the league. It would be elements of that, but I think it would be a much more dynamic role. And that and that's where it's exciting to think about what Buzelis can be, especially if he sh- continues to shoot as well as he did this last year in high school. He shot 43% from three. And like they're not just like spot up threes or anything like that. He was very good off of like screens and movement shots. So I think with him, that that's what's exciting when you have a guy who, with his height, no. with his feel and passing and playmaking ability, that he could be somebody who is like that great connective glue piece. And is that the qualities of a number one pick? Yeah, maybe he ends up being awesome. Look, look, I'll tell you this. Kentucky wanted him. Florida wanted him. North Carolina wanted him. Everybody wanted him. Mm-hmm. You know? Everybody wanted him. Yep. Everybody that stuff. evaluates talent thinks the guy's awesome. So He's very good. they're all wrong. Right. Either they're all wrong or he's going to end up being awesome. Maybe not, you know, franchise changing, which unbelievably after all these years, I'm sorry to the Wizards fans. After all these years and you finally tank and it's a year where there's nobody. Oh, my God. I know. Idiots. All right, Chris. Well, if people want to read more about the draft, I'm doing my way too early big board on the ringer.com that they can check out. I believe on Wednesday that's going to publish my my top 30 currently in early August. So people can check that out there. We'll do one more question. We're going to have a bunch of other good questions. We'll save those for next week. If you want to get your name into the mailbag for next week's episode, go to NBA mailbag at gmail.com or tweet at us at Chris Vernon show or at Kevin O'Connor NBA. Um, but for now, let's do our last question. Let's do a question from Scott. Scott asked, it's been a while since you guys have talked about players who you still have stock on their islands. So which players' islands do you still have real estate on? You take this one first, Chris. You already know oh, my boy. answer. It's a lot, a lot, I have a lot of, lot, of, lot of homes in France. So I went back <laughs> and I tried to look through drafts to find people that I really liked. Because that's where this comes from, right? You yep. typically liked them when they were coming out and you had a belief in them. So I went back and I looked at drafts and to see guys that haven't popped yet, but I really like them. And so I, you know, that's the whole island thing, right? Like I'm still there. I still believe in them. These are the ones I jotted down. The people I think could be out on. Jalen Suggs. I mean, they just drafted Anthony Black. Mm. Don't you think people are out? Like they, they, they've decided what Suggs is, right? Yeah, it does seem like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm there. We have real estate, and let me tell you, they have. I was just at a sports collectors convention, and he's bargain binned. The poor guy is bargain binned. Like you, he's not in the big case. You're looking through the boxes to find his, and you could get him cheap. So, <laughs> I, I mean. I'm not saying I bought any Jalen Suggs cards, but I, I'm still on the island. Um, Moses Moody, does that count? Yeah, that, I think that counts. Mo- Moody okay. counts. Yeah. yeah, I think Moses Moody could still pop. I'm a Moses Moody guy. Probably have some opportunity, right? Now that uh, Jordan Poole's out of the mix, probably get some more minutes. Kind of brought him along slowly, but I'm a Moses Moody fan. And I, I I would say I'm on. So Suggs, Moody, uh, who else did I write down? Got a little pop last year, but I think that he, and, and did not sign a good contract, a big contract by any means. N- Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I wrote him down. Really liked him coming out of the draft. I still have stock in him. 
Um, you know, he's already on his what third team or something. He's been included in deals, um, starting from New Orleans. But uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, that one. So Suggs, Moody, Alexander Walker. I mean, from last year's, I don't count them as islands because they're, but they're not hot like in the same way that like say like Paolo or Chad or some of those others. But Jabari got hot for summer league, and I I still had all my Jabari stock and Ivy as well. I still love Ivy, despite the fact that he did not have some kind of spectacular rookie year by any means. But Ivy and uh, Ivy and Jabari. And then I tried to go back to like old drafts and find. And the craziest one would be Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. That's a because good one. it's like, I don't know if he's even alive anymore. He might, he, he might, he might be in a dog suit in Japan for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His knees couldn't take that. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, did you see the video of the the bear today? How about that one? The the, the bear in the zoo that people were accusing of being fake of, of being a human in a costume in a Chinese <laughs> zoo. Did you see that video? No, I got to. I'll I'll look it up. Yeah, it's a it's a video of a of a bear standing on its hind legs, and, <laughs> and it looks like he's wearing pants. The way it's kind of like back slash ass fur kind of wrinkles up. It looks like jeans. <laughs> Dude, I saw one the other day where a bear, it was like down on 30A, which is a very popular uh, vacation place in like Destin, Florida. There was a video, people could type it in and see it. There was a bear that like was swimming in the ocean and like came up to the damn beach. I just saw the video come through by my feed. But I'm like, where the hell did that bear come from? Oh, I see that now, yeah. Where did he come from? How far did that bear swim? I know, right? To walk up on a beach. Hmm. Where is the land that he came from? I don't understand. The bear is literally swimming in the ocean and then just like starts walking on the beach and people like scatter like, ah! Like that is not what you're expecting to see if you go to the beach. A friggin' bear? They get the cocaine sharks in Florida. Could that be an actual cocaine bear? Oh, cocaine bear. P- totally possible. But then he would have been from Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just went from there. <laughs> Some players Maybe I saw <laughs> I saw <laughs> islands of. Yeah. Um, Mo Bamba. <laughs> of course. Going to the Sixers. Um, this is the, the I'm very I'm very excited. <laughs> Uh, I'm laughing because just you're looking at me like it's sad. <laughs> I mean, but Bamba, it is Bamba. You know, he goes to the Lakers. It feels like a great situation. Then he gets hurt. It's unfortunate. He goes to the Sixers now. Uh, it's a situation to to back up Joel Embiid and maybe even Nick Nurse goes with some two big lineups. Could have some floor spacing out there with Bamba. I, I hope he makes the most of this. This could be one of his final opportunities. Grant Williams, he's been successful in the NBA, but I want to mention him because I had him ranked eighth in the draft, so I was very high on Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams with the Dallas Mavericks, this is going to be a situation where you're going to see him in a role that you didn't see him in in Boston, where he was more of that kind of just spot up behind the corner, attack closeouts guy. With Dallas, I would think, I would hope Jason Kidd's going to use him as a screener for Luka. And you're going to see Grant Williams in a position where he can unleash his playmaking, which is the skill he had at Tennessee. 
that's what I felt like made him a top 10 prospect in, in his draft class. Not just the defensive versatility, not just the shooting potential, but the pl- passing, the, the connective ability. So I hope they use him with Luca in that regard. Um, you know, other than that, you know, the, a lot of the names that we've talked about over the years, all my French guys. Um, you're no done choice. with them. Come on, uh, you. Uh, no, you, I mean you're no, not. No. You do not have Nilakina Island still. Well, I mean, do I have much of a choice? Who am I selling it to? I don't even think he's on a team, is he? Is he on a team? I think he's out. He's still under contract, right? Oh, no, oh he, he is. No, he's still. No, no, he's not under contract. No, he's a cur- currently a free agent. <laughs> You're it's, that is yeah. <laughs> your island is desolate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been overtaken not by even, the rising no sea levels. No coconuts left. Yeah, <laughs> there's not even coconuts left. Nothing. It's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, Killian uh, Hayes, of course. Uh, I think oh, Jonathan stop. Isaac. I had him on my list. That's a good one. Even though he missed two years and then he only played eleven games, he wasn't horrible <laughs> in those eleven games. But Jonathan Isaac, with the player that we saw earlier in his career, heh, why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? Um, Why not? Yeah. Also, it's also like a shout out to Charks too, because Charks love Jonathan Isaac and and yeah. his versatility. So jo- Jonathan Isaac comes to mind um, as another name. I'm probably forgetting some off the top of my head. And like you said, <laughs> you said that- Frank Nilakina, he's not in the NBA. <laughs> 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 that is loyalty, brother. I'm that a, is a, loyalty. That's I'm like a, me saying Cinderius Thornwell. Yeah, I, I still believe. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all the other drafts are too recent. Yeah, I, I only I, I only went back to 2017 on like the the Ringer draft guides. I didn't I didn't go back to my 2014 draft guides or anything like that. But well, we all have our islands. Mm. Send uh, send us the emails if you want to get a question in on the show. We'll be doing these throughout the dead time of the year. Give them that email address, Kev. NBA mailbag at gmail.com. NBA mailbag at gmail.com. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Or a good week. It's only Monday. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>